This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 3-1 pitch, swing and a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye, baseball. Eight strikeouts for the King tonight and make it... 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Phoenix. Strike three called on the outside corner, and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. And welcome back to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Gary Hill back with you. Thanks for being here once again. And uh, this one's going to be a little bit different of a podcast. I didn't have my power supply. So as it turns out, without my power supply, I'm completely sunk. So this one's going to be a little bit abbreviated as I put this one together. But I do want to talk about the game last night a little bit. Nice win for the Mariners. Beating the Angels 3-1. to one. one big swing of the bat. We'll get to the highlights in just a second. Uh, we'll catch up on some conversations coming up on this one. We'll hear from a few different guys. James Jones, he's up from Tacoma, obviously. We'll hear from him. Zick as well, Farquhar out of the bullpen, who's pitched really well as of late, including the ball game last night. Tomorrow on the podcast, we'll take a look at the series against the Texas Rangers coming up off day-to-day, obviously. And that's going to be a fun series. Texas... Locked up, oh, they're playing great baseball. Locked up in a big series with the Houston Astros. A lot on the line. Mariners a chance to play spoiler over the weekend. So we'll talk about that in just a moment. But the Mariners get the win over the Angels. They improved to 71 and 76 on the season. And really, it was about Asashi Wakuma who was outstanding. The 1 2 offer. Swing and a miss. Strike three. And that is strikeout number five. For Hisashi Wakuma tonight, a couple of strikeouts here in the top of the fourth. And the machine well-oiled tonight here in his start against the Angels. Iwakuma, nine punch outs. That's a season high, his previous high against Minnesota. Nearly got his career high as well. Uh, well, Closing in on it, I guess. 13 strikeouts, but closing in on double figures. But outstanding. Iwakuma's last four starts, 3-1, and one, a 2-5-9 ERA. He's only walked six, and he has struck out 24. And he's really pitched well against the Angels. 2.62 ERA, 8-2 and two over that span. 13 games, 12 starts. So he's really pitched well against the Angels. And offensively, well, really, it came down to one swing of the bat for the Mariners. Here's the pitch. Swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. Jesus Montero has six hits off of Jared Weaver, and five of them are home runs. A line drive, three-run shot by Jesus Montero, and the Mariners lead the Angels by a score of three to nothing here in the bottom of the fourth. What a tee shot 
by Montero. Although there were some fireworks in the ball game as Kyle Seeger gets drilled by Weaver and Weaver immediately tossed out of the ball game. This is pretty interesting. So a little conversation going on between Weaver and Seeger. Here's the pitch. And it's inside and that hits Seeger. And Weaver's been thrown out of the ball game by the plate umpire Brian Onora. And that, my friends, was intentional. They no had a few words. About it. Yeah, and, and, and Onora right, knew it. Right before the pitch, on the TV, I'm looking at it, and Kyle said, I am filling the blank ready. Weaver's next pitch, flat drilled. You know, it was, started out pretty normal. Um, I was calling timeout, and, um, you know, it takes me a little while to get into the box. I had my hand up the whole time, and he started to pitch, and, you know, I kept my hand up, and I guess he didn't particularly care for it. Have you had that happen before? I mean, you say you take a little bit of time, but have you had a pitcher react to that in the uh, past? Pitchers get in their rhythm. You know, all the all the pitchers, you know, want to get in the rhythm. You know, part of what a hitter does is to, you know, try to break up that rhythm. So if a guy's, you know, if he's working fast and he's rolling, then, you know, you try to slow him down. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of a, you know, something that happens all the time, but it doesn't usually escalate to that. Did you feel like in the previous at bats that he was forcing you to rush or that you were falling into his tempo that you needed to change it? No, no. I, I mean, I did the same thing the first couple at bats. You know, it's. If, if I'm calling time, it's, you know, it's on, you know, my time. When, you know, I'm in the box and I'm ready to go, then, you know, he can take as much time as he'd like. So, I mean, I got to I gotta get ready. What was the ump saying to you at that time? Because it looked like he also talked the same time for you as well. Yeah, yeah, he called timeout as well. You know, I, I had I had my hand up the whole time. And, you know, when he started to pitch, I kept saying time. And then, you know, he called timeout as well. So, I mean, I don't know. Did, you did Jared say anything to you? I mean, we could only see the replay from the angle of you saying things to him. Did he say anything to you? Yeah, he definitely started the conversation. Um, you know, it, it kind of, you know, it definitely, you know, escalated and he handled the way he wanted to. But, you know, from you know my perspective, he quit on his team and I didn't quit on mine. Given that exchange, were you surprised at the outcome and being hit by the pitch? I, I was, yeah, I was surprised he hit me because, you know, if you hit me there, it's pretty obvious what was going to happen, that he's going to be out of the game. And, you know, I guess he was um, tired of pitching. So some fireworks here. We'll see what happens. Weaver will probably pitch against the Mariners before the season's out once again, coming up next weekend in Anaheim. So we'll see how that goes. But the Mariners get the best of things, 3-1, to one, including Tom Wilhelmsen, who once again closed it down. The 2-1 pitch, swing and a ground ball to Hopper to short. Up with the ball, Marte. The throw to first, low, but it's picked in time by Morrison. And the ball game is over. The Mariners win it by a score of 3-1. And the Mariners take the series two games to one over the Angels. And he's been awfully impressive. He's 11th save of the season. His last 12 appearances back to the middle of August. Nine saves and 13 and a third scoreless innings. 10 punch shots along the way, a 13 and a third inning scoreless streak. That's the longest this season for any Mariners reliever, passing Mark Lowe. And his 65th save moves him into sixth most in club history. He was tied with Fernando Rodney, and he passes his former teammate. And he's just two back now of Norm Charlton for fifth in franchise history. So pretty impressive marks there from Tom Wilhelmsen, who's been lights out. Mariners now. 
improved to 10 and 5 in the month of September and 9 and 3 against the AL West. Off day to day, then attention turned to the Texas Rangers over the weekend in Texas. Now, I mentioned the conversations that we're going to get to. First, a little celebration of a tremendous career, Orberto Clemente. It was a day to celebrate his life, his achievements, his career yesterday, and a career that certainly deserves the accolades and the celebration. Here's a little Roberto Clemente celebration. Shannon Dreyer here, where on Clemente Day, we learn a little bit more about the Hall of Famer and humanitarian Roberto Clemente, and also hear from Mariners who have been influenced by him. Roberto Clemente died in a plane crash New Year's Eve 1972 while on his way to Nicaragua in an earthquake relief mission. Angels broadcaster Jose Moda not only heard stories about him from his father, Manny Moda, who was Clemente's teammate, but remembers him as a family friend. We were, you know, babies pretty much in that Pittsburgh clubhouse, and all the way up to his death. Um, I do recall times when um, he would travel to the Dominican Republic, and I'm talking I was three or four years old, where my dad would get so excited. Roberto's coming for the weekend, or he and his wife were coming to see us. Uh, they, were, they were very close. And there's a time when I recall going to pick up Roberto at the Santo Domingo Airport mm-hmm. with my dad, me and my brother Andy. The reason he flew to the Dominican was because there's a lot of storms in Puerto Rico. And he told my dad, I need to go to work out and I'm going to get on a plane to go work out for the weekend. That's the type of dedication he had. And I also recall that tragic morning when we were in my parents' living room and my dad is going crazy ballistic about the call that he just gotten, you know, during the Christmas holidays. And it was, the whole house was numb. And I recall um, my dad trying to talk to Manny Singian right after his death. And uh, Manny said, until I find a trace of Roberto or that plane, I'm going to keep diving into the, the Caribbean Sea in, in Puerto It was the Atlantic Sea in Puerto Rico. I'm not going to give up. Um, but there, I remember as a kid that we had a, a, a book about his death and um, even some newspaper clippings where you can see San Guillén looking into the Atlantic Ocean and another coast of Puerto Rico with his scuba gear on. Mm. The way of saying, I gotta go get my friend. I have to go get my friend. Yeah. 43 years later, Clemente's impact is still strong in baseball. While he played in the U.S., Clemente took care of communities throughout Latin America, something both Nelson Cruz and Robinson Cano are doing as well. Cruz is making a major impact in his community in the Dominican Republic by providing much needed emergency vehicles. It makes me realize how bad we need a fire, uh, fire truck when one of my good friends lost his house. Hmm. Uh, because we don't have any vehicle to, to provide water to sing the fire. So uh, since that day, I was coming me to, to find to find fire truck and buy and, and make sure we have what we need. So if something like that happens, you know, um, we have it, you know. And uh, the ambulance is something that definitely uh, have impact a lot of people. You know, you don't know how bad you need it until you're the one that really need it. And I have been touched for a lot of people telling me they, they appreciate the ambulance. And the ambulance saves his parents' life, one of his son's life. And then uh, makes you realize that it's something that it, it, it doesn't have any price because uh, a life is what you work for and what you're here for. So... If you can save a life, you know, it's definitely a huge impact in the community. 
Robinson Cano has turned his focus to education, and the school he is building in the DR is nearing completion. We understand that, um, you know, especially most Americans back in the day, we didn't have a chance to go to school. And because uh, most of them, they don't have the money. They had to, like, clean shoes and play baseball. But uh, the deal is here that um, for those like, poor family, in because we, 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 we pick it in an area. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say, for example, I live in Seward Park. Let's say I build a school in Seward Park. But the, the poor kids in Seward Park, those are the only ones that are going to go to that school. Mm-hmm. So it's not a school for everyone, just for the kids in the area. So that's the goal. We build the first one and go from there, try to build in every town so that those kids from that area can go to the school. The legacy lives on. The Roberto Clemente story is both incredible and important, according to Moda. There are so many stories, and all the stories are about hard work, the few highlights that you have, um, the flair, you know, the dramatics. Um, number 21, who, you know, I think should be retired. And it's a matter of people understanding what he did, when he did it, and under the circumstances, you know, there was not social media, there's no open really media market for the Hispanics to express themselves but he stood up for what thought he was right and did it on the field and he was a winner on and off the field and Danny Farquhar he has pitched so well as of late in fact uh, you look back to his last six games he hasn't allowed a run five and two-thirds innings dating back to the 7th of September and he has looked like the Danny Farquhar of last year what's working for him here's Shannon Dreyer with Danny Farquhar Danny, we've seen Floyd McClendon go to you in situation after situation after situation since you've been up, and uh, we've seen very good outcomes. It's got to be good to come up and see you know, what you've been doing and what you've been working on really paying off. You know, it's nice to be, you know, part part of the team, helping out whenever I can, um, and it's exciting um, every day knowing that there's a chance to pitch no matter what situation it is, and and you're right, Lloyd keeps going to me, so I'm, I'm ready to go every night. Some ups and downs earlier this year, and when I look at you, it just seems like the biggest difference is, is keeping the ball down. You know, the fastball, I think it's where you want to put it right now. How did you get to that? Were, were there changes you made in that regard? Actually, I have no idea what I did differently. Um, I've had some people say that my arm slot was, uh, was a little high earlier in the year, and that was affecting the cutter. Um, and then uh, I've had some other people say that I was throwing too many cutters. Um, but I, I have no idea what the issue was. But I know I'm throwing the ball well, so I'm just trying to ride that wave. What do you do with all that stuff? When people say it's this, that, or the other, I mean, you've been around for, for a while. You know yourself. How do you go about, if there is something you need to attack, determining I need to attack this or, or do what you do? Yeah, I mean, it's hard because you, you get it from a lot of different directions. Um, you know, one coach telling you this, another one telling you that, a coordinator coming into town and telling you this. Um, you know, I've been drafted in 2008, been pitching since I was a little kid. Um, you got to learn when to filter out some things, um, you know, some things to take in. Um, so it's it's just kind of crazy. Um, it's just one of those things you got to know yourself, trust yourself, and and uh, you know trust the process that got you there. Sometimes too much information is bad, um, and you want to just pitch uh, clear headed. Um, you know, if you're thinking about too many things, that's when that's when you get yourself into trouble. Other than results, how do you know then when you are going good? Is is there a the, the mechanic that you watch? Is there a feel? Is there something that you see that tells you or a pitch that okay, I've got this right now? I'm a, I'm a feel kind of pitcher. I can feel um, when the ball is coming out good. 
um, obviously hitting your spots, uh, locating it, and then the action on the ball. Um, not all, and then feel as well as my throwing partner uh, Iwakuma. Um, he lets me know when I when I throw a bad pitch because he signals for home run. Um, it's pretty funny when when I do it to him too. When he throws a bad pitch, I uh, I say, "Wow, that went really far." Um, so yeah, so that that partner feedback that we have for each other, um, as well as feel, is is what I use to know when I'm when I'm going well. How long have you thrown with Iwakuma? Uh, this is my second or third year with Iwakuma. I think I started at the end of thirteen. He became my throwing partner. Um, and then last year and this year, there parts of this year, I guess. You know, you mentioned a second ago. People will say I've done this, that, or that. What is the perfect balance for your cutter? Throwing it in the zone um, with some movement and getting ahead with it, and then and then working to my other pitches um, is how I'm most successful. Um, that's the kind of pitcher I've always been. I pitch off my cutter. It's kind of weird because everybody you're supposed to pitch off your fastball, but that's that's not me. I'm probably like 90% first pitch cutter. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> and your catchers know that. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. okay. Oh okay. yeah. <laughs> Rarely do I have to shake first pitch. <laughs> Perfect. Lastly, I mean, we saw this team have a lot of fun. Of course, you had to work a little bit later, so it probably was tougher to get into it. But just to see what we saw last night, you see the runs go up on the board. You see Taiwan have a good game. You see a little bit of hijinks on the bases with Nelson and Robbie. Uh, what are we seeing right now in, in this looseness? You hit the nail on the head. We're playing loose, um, playing confident. And, um, you know, last night was obviously just one night. we got to keep it going. But, um, but yeah, loose, loose, free, and easy. That's how you got to play this game. It's fun to watch, too. Danny, thank you. Thank you, Shannon. James Jones is back. He had a pretty interesting moment a few games ago where he, he nearly had an infield double, legged it out, a ball that barely got through the infield. Here's what he had to say about that and how he uses his legs and how thoughtful he is about using his speed. Today we visit with James Jones, and I want to talk about that play yesterday. That's about as close to an infield double as you can get. <laughs> what, what were you looking at as that ball was trickling through center field to get to second base? Uh, actually, I, I didn't realize it got through until I heard the crowd. And that's when I peeked up, and I saw it slowly rolling. And I know the center fielder had to run in and make a perfect throw, so I just took a chance and going for Sue. So, were you running hard out of the box the entire way? Was it in your mind to get to second? Uh, once I saw it got through, that's when I wanted to get there. I mean, I was running all the way hard, all the way through, and I knew that would have been a tough play for Blackman. Obviously, speed is a big weapon for you. How do you try and utilize that right now? Well, right now, I just try to use that, utilize it to, like, my approach, uh, especially when it gets two strikes, just get that ball in play, get my speed a chance, because anything can happen just the way it happened last night. So, just making it tough for the pitchers. And you've been so good uh, at stealing bases, not only the quantity, but the quality as well. Uh, you've only been nailed one time. What makes you so efficient at stealing bases at the major league level? Uh, definitely uh, the information that we get, uh, just learning guys' moves and knowing their tendencies, uh, knowing who's behind you is a big key because, you know, with guys like Seager, Cano, and Cruz, they're not going to get a lot of fastballs, especially if they swing it well, but just using that to the advantage, you know, who's going hot and who's not. So the staff definitely helps me with that. 
How do you feel your season went in Tacoma this year? Uh, definitely a lot of ups and downs, so, especially with the injuries and stuff like that. But I was just happy I, I was able to bounce back from the first concussion and the fracture after that. So felt good about it. How are you feeling right now, being back up at the big leagues? Oh, I'm excited. I'm, I just want to contribute whenever I get the opportunity and just be that guy to be ready, always be prepared, and just be ready for whatever they have on me for me. Visiting with Mariners outfielder James Jones. And what did you learn from your first go-around here at the big league level? <laughs> I learned how fast the game is up here. <laughs> it, it, it can really drain you mentally. Mm-hmm. And it really forces you to know what type of player you are because if you're trying to be someone you're not, it's going to eat you up. So it definitely taught me my identity and just using the information on to my advantage rather than being overloaded with it. So There is so much information these days. How do you pick out what to use and what, what you don't look at? I mean, there's so much to look at. I mean, just it comes from the foundation, knowing what type of player I am. I know I'm a speed guy, and, you know, depending on the lineup, especially if it's, you know, early in the game, they don't want to put me on for, you know, Seager and Cano if I'm him in front of them. But other than that, it'll just you got to you got to know what type of player you are. You got to look for the things that you want to look for. Like for me, I go in there and look at video on guys pick off moves. Guys that don't steal bags, they're not going to do that. So, once you know the type of player you are, then you'll know what information you really need that's going to help you. At this point in your development, what are you really looking to improve on in your game? Uh, definitely more consistency. I know I give spurts of of just going well and then just dropping off a little bit, but I just want to be able to contribute even on the bad days. Uh, that's my thing, just stay in the middle and not get too high and not get too low. Well, it was fun to watch you fly around last night. Congratulations. All right, thanks for having me. And finally, here's Shannon Dreyer with new Mariners reliever, Tony Zick. Tony, yesterday, what a special game. I mean, you look out there and you see the team get down early and then you see so much bullpen use and you see see not one but two big league debuts, one of them being yours. What was that like for you to hear the bullpen phone ring and know, okay, this might be it? I mean, honestly, it's just a surreal moment. I I was kind of stretching in the corner because they had Guaype loosening up at first for the inning before and... I guess we just kind of figured that he would be the one in next inning. And they're like, hey, you're going in. I'm like, all right, well, here we go. So it was pretty cool. You get out on the hill and not not too shabby. Three pitches and you've got your first out. <laughs> yeah, it was I, – I was just focused on throwing in the zone and not trying to walk the first guy. And I guess it, it worked out my way, so – you probably have had a lot of time to think about this, and I would imagine the first time out in these first outings, you're probably curious to see how your stuff plays against big leaguers. What are some of the things that you look for? I always thought, you know, going through the minors and stuff, that I had the ability to compete here. So hopefully just getting out there and getting the opportunities and, and learning at this level is going to be what I'm more excited about. I mean, I just want to go day in and day out facing the best and then learn what it takes from there. This year for you, very different. It's funny because your name comes up and you're like, wait, where'd he come from? And it was an interesting, you were with the Cubs organization, uh, very late move at the end of spring. That must have been a little tough for you. Yeah, it was really weird. You know, you talk to a lot of players that maybe get traded before, especially in their first few years, and and everyone's just kind of like, it's a, it's a shock, you know, and you don't know what to do. And I literally was eating it was actually a short day at, at Cubs camp that day. I think I was out of there by 11. 
and I was pretty excited to enjoy a little off day. I think I was going to eat lunch and go golfing with a buddy, and then I got a call while I was eating lunch. Hey, can you come grab all your stuff and, and uh, head over to Mariner's Park? I'm like, all right, well. So they told me that, and I pretty much had to go there and spent the rest of the day at Mariner's Park. I didn't really get the off day there, but it was pretty uh, overwhelmingly crazy. Once you get into the Mariners organization, is there anything different? Did they is looking for anything different from you? Is there a different philosophy, different anything? I mean, there's minor differences here and there. Um, honestly, I, I felt like everyone over in the club organization was, was great as well. Just for some reason, the little change, I think, just gave me a little spark to, you know, push a little harder and, and not get so down on where I was I guess I, I felt like I was always a hard worker and almost you know put too much thought into it so I think it you know just talking to these guys when I came over here they had a lot of confidence in me and, and who I was and I think that little factor just pushed it over the edge. They talk about your fastball but you also got a slider that I've heard quite a bit How, how'd you learn your slider? That was a work in progress for three or four years I've, I've had quite a bit of decent sliders but I never felt like it got really good until this year kind of just messed around a little bit one day and actually in spring training I was talking to Jake Arietta, who's obviously pretty good in his own right and he uh, kind of showed me some of his thoughts on his slider and you know how he how he works through it and just worked on it the next couple days and ended up striking two guys out the first time I used it in spring so I'm like all right well I'm just gonna stick with this one and see if I can make it better how much of a difference has that made for you a lot I went from uh, you know a guy last year that would have a, a fair amount of strikeouts but not not as many as I should have for for a velocity pitcher and ever since throwing that in there and then learning how to command it for strikes and and also throwing it off when I need to helped tremendously. We got about a month to go here. What what do you want to show, you know, both your manager and, you know, the fans in Seattle about you as a pitcher? I just want to get out there and hopefully do my job and help the team win games. I definitely want to try to do my part to to get us going in the right direction here and hopefully into next year and get a chance to play in the postseason. See you later.